is a Woodside Church podcast. We are looking, continuing on our series, Lessons from the Wilderness, today. And we are looking at a difficult, I think it's a really difficult subject, all right? I'll be honest, I think it's a difficult subject. It's the fear of the Lord. And um, yeah, so we want to look at that. So my first question this morning is this, should we be scared of God? Now, many people in this room, I've probably split the room down the middle right now. There's probably some that say yes, some that say no. And we're going to work our way through this. We're going to be looking at Exodus 19 and parts of Exodus 20 as we go through this, this series. Okay, so a quick overview in case you haven't already got the general gist of it. The people of Israel have been in captivity for 430 years. They're under the the reign of of, of Pharaoh in Egypt, and God has called this amazing man, Moses, to lead his people out of captivity and to the promised land. And basically, Moses, God has done some amazing miracles through Moses. And some of you will remember some of them, but the massive ones is like the, the plague of flies, there's a plague of frogs, There's um, huge chunks of hail falling from the sky. There's the Egyptian livestock that dies, but the Egyptian livestock doesn't. There's the death of the Egyptian firstborn, but not of the Israelite firstborn. There are some incredible miracles that have taken place. And all the time, the people of Israel are looking and thinking, Who is this God, this God who comes after us as a nation, who is for us as a nation, who is powerful and awesome and does these incredible things? And there are loads of miracles that are performed in front of the people of Israel that leads to them eventually being released by Pharaoh. And of course, there's the column of fire and the column of cloud. Imagine being led by a column of fire and a column of cloud. This is an awesome God, and the people of Israel are weighing it up and just thinking, wow, this is an amazing God who is for us. And let's not forget the parting of the Red Sea. The people of Israel come up to the sea, and then basically God pulls back the sea, and they walk across on dry land. And as the Egyptian army get there and get get into the sea, he folds back the seas, and that army, huge army, is drowned. And the people of Israel must look back and go, what kind of a God is this? This is an amazing God. So powerful, so awesome, so amazing. Imagine it. And then there's this incredible appointment with God. Imagine Monday morning, you're in your diary, appointment with God. (laughs) You're going to wake up in the morning, aren't you? Like, Oh, I've got an appointment with God. What's that going to look like? Well, the people of Israel have an appointment with God. It's at the base of Mount Sinai. So I'm going to read you some of the scripture, which hopefully will come up behind me. So, here the people of Israel are approached the Mount Sinai to meet with their God. Moses has prepared the people for this appointment. They've sanctified themselves, made themselves ready. And then Moses goes up to meet with God. And God calls from him the mountain and says, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell 
the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And we have just gone over some of the things that they have seen. Incredible acts. And how I carried you on eagles' wings. Imagine that. You carried them on eagles' wings. In, in your lives, God has carried you on eagles' wings at times when things have been difficult. And brought you to myself. That is God's destiny all the time, to bring us to himself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of you, all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Imagine that, because that's what you all are. It's what I am, God's treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And we'll come back to that in a minute. These are the words you should speak to the Israelites. Moses got the people ready, passed on the message. They were consecrated. And in verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. And everyone in the camp trembled. Can you imagine this scene? Can you imagine this scene? Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, their appointment. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up from it like the smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. And Moses spoke with, to God and, the, and God answered him. That takes us into Exodus 20 when God gives the Ten Commandments to Moses because he wants his people to be really different to the culture and those around them. And he gives them these rules, these laws that they are to obey. Then verse 18, when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have us, do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. And that's a message to us too. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. So today, I am preaching on the subject of the fear of the Lord. And I think it is a really difficult concept. One, though, that we do need to understand. The fear of the Lord is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. Today we're going to look at good fear in the context of God, bad fear, the spirit of fear, grace and benefits. So, uh, being an ex-policeman, I love definitions. And here is a definition of fear. The Bible dictionary defines fear as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by the anticipation or awareness of danger, anxious concern or unpleasant harm, <coughs> alarm. Sorry. Now, many of you, if I asked you guys, what do you think fear looks like? Uh, pretty much, I think we would have covered that. But there's another part in the directory that says, a dictionary that says this, but it also means profound reverence and awe 
especially towards God. Amen. 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 So we can all give stories of when we've been afraid. And I was thinking back, I'll be honest, I'm not one of those people who's very afraid. I get nervous, sure, I'm nervous right now. But very rarely afraid. But I was thinking back in my past, and I can remember an occasion when my mum took myself and my sister to London for this a wonderful day trip that we were supposed to enjoy. And it was to visit the, the Fire of London Monument in London. And we went up, it stands 202 feet off of, the, off, the, off the ground, and 311 steps you have to go up to get to the top. Now I was going up these stairs and I'm thinking, this is going to be an amazing day. And I get to the top and I look out and everything goes wrong. My head starts spinning, my heart starts pumping, I feel sick, I'm shaking and, and, and it's just awful. And I go around the centre column like this <laughs> until I find the way out and I'm straight down those stairs. <laughs> I have a fear of heights. <laughs> we hear the word fear mentioned, especially at the moment in the context of war. Fear can be a good thing and fear can be a bad thing. So let's have a look at what good fear is. I think you'll agree. Good fear stops us from entering a lion's cage. True? Yeah, true. <laughs> Good fear stops us from running across the M25 to collect a stray ball. That's good fear, right? Good fear stops me parachuting out of a perfectly serviceable plane. From the summary I've just given you of Exodus 19 and parts of 20, you can see that the people of Israel had seen and experienced firsthand different aspects of the fear of the Lord, both physical fear and trembling, but also another dimension, one of profound reverence, awe, and respect for God. He released them. He set them free from captivity. And he did it in a miraculous, wonderful way. The God who made the universe, that's so easy to say, isn't it? The God who made the universe. The God who made the universe. It's huge. It goes on as far as we know forever. It's massive. And he made that. The God who is holy and completely different from us. The God who holds the universe in the palm of his hand. This is an awesome, amazing, majestic, powerful God that we worship and follow. He holds back the sea. He held back the sea for the Israelites. He saved them and he saves us. The God who wants relationship with them, which is why he called them to himself, also wants relationship with us. The God who is measureless and cannot be fathomed. That's the God we follow. He's measureless and cannot be fathomed. The God that we worship, the God that we worship this morning, the God we worship by the way we live our lives and follow him. These different types of fear, reverence, awe, majesty, the people of Israel had experienced, has a positive effect on, the, on our walk and their walk with our God. This type of fear is something that we learn and pursue. It's a holy fear, an awesome fear of a wonderful, powerful, loving 
God. And I'm going to say that again. Of a wonderful, powerful, loving God. Who we both fear, respects, and have reverence for. These godly fears, the Bible says, are good for us. Proverbs 1 verse 7 puts it like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 14.27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Our God is an awesome God. And when we set our gaze on him, there is a mixture of righteous fear, awesome wonder and reverence. And this is where we need to land. Bad fear. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. Ungodly fear can be crippling to us in our Christian walk. Sometimes it's difficult to recognize it. Other times it's obvious to us. It slaps us in the face. And sometimes it's really obvious to others that we are living in fear. Fear shows itself in different ways and for different people. But we are commanded not to fear. In Joshua 1 verse 9, God reminds Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's our promise too. It's not just for them, it's for us. God is with us wherever we go. This awesome, marvellous, amazing God is with us wherever we go. Apparently the term fear not is stated 365 times in the Bible, one Bible verse for every day. Fear and worry can destroy our joy and our peace. Worrying about the future, that we've all done that. Worrying about our children's future, for those who have children, probably worried about that. Sickness, afraid to make a decision, crippling. Afraid to commit to something for fear of making a mistake. Fear of what others might say. I think we've all been there. Fear of rejection. The fear of standing up for what we believe. Are things that can cripple us. And there are more than that. Many, many more. God has so much to say in regards to bad fear in the Bible. I would encourage you to look at some of the many Bible verses. But one that I love, and many of you will have heard, is Psalm 23, where David says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That amazing, loving God is with us. Your rod and your staff comfort me. We are instructed by God not to be in fear. An example would be Isaiah 41. It says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. And that's exactly what he did for the people of Israel. 
as he brought them out of captivity. And that's what he did for us when he brought us out of captivity of our sin that held us back. Relationship with God. There are many things I like about this passage that we're looking at today. In verse 4, it says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, that out of the nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God carries his people, you and I, on eagles' wings. He brings us to himself. We, each of us in this room, are his treasured possession. And we're also priests. That's what the Bible says. Each of you is a priest, and we together are a holy nation. The promise that God gives to the people of Israel are the same promises that he gives to us today. We have been grafted onto the vine, Israel. We are now a holy nation, priests, because we believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, and we put our trust solely in Jesus. We are called to be distinct, different from the world around us. We are called to be culture changers in our workplace, with our neighbours, with our friends. God has called us to live a holy life, following Jesus' example. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Grace. The Bible is a love story. A story of how God loves his people and wants relationship with them. He wants to be with us. He wants to bring us to himself. His plan is to make a way for us to be able to approach him. And he did this through his son Jesus, who broke the curtain of hostility by sacrificing himself to pay for our sins on the cross, only to rise again victorious, overcoming death. There is another story that will help us to understand the fear of the Lord in the context of relationship, the relationship that we have with Jesus. On the screen there will be the picture of Rembrandt, the storm of the Sea of Galilee. There it is, a famous painting, painted in 1633. You can't see very much of it, can you? Sorry about that. But it's a beautiful painting, trust me. And it refers to Mark 4, 35. And I'll give you an overview of this story. The disciples and Jesus were on the Sea of Galilee in a small boat. A fierce storm had blown up. The waves were high and breaking onto the boat. The wind was howling and out of control. The disciples were scared. They thought they were going to die. Jesus was asleep on the back of the boat. And they awoke. I just think that's interesting. They've got this huge storm going on. And Jesus was asleep in the boat. It just tells me about the peace that man had. 
the peace, he was just asleep for a storm. There's no problem. <laughs> and the disciples awoke Jesus and immediately, he immediately rebuked the, the wind and the waves saying, be still. I reckon he literally went, be still. I don't think he went, be still! Because he didn't need to shout. I reckon he just went, be still. Creator of the universe. Be still. I made you. <clears throat> and then there was a great calm. And then the Bible records the disciples were terrified. Now, they'd been scared of the storm. They were now terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a great example of the fear of the Lord. When you see Jesus, who is fully God and fully man for who he is, but also realize that he wants relationship with us and that he cares for us so much that he laid down his life as a sacrifice for us to pay the price of our sins. Theologian John Piper puts it like this. Because I love the picture of a big, holy, sovereign, majestic God, so I picture myself climbing, on the, climbing in the mountains in the Himalayas. I'm on these massive rock faces and I see a storm coming. It's going to be a massive storm. And I feel unbelievably vulnerable on these mountain precipices. So I'm desperately looking for a little crevice in the rock where I won't be blown off the side of the cliff to destruction. And as I find a hole in the side of the mountain and I spin quickly and suddenly the holiness, the justice, the power, the wrath, the judgment of God breaks over me like a hurricane. But I know that I am totally safe, which means that the horrible danger is transposed into music of majesty and I can enjoy it rather than fearing it. And that is what I think the cross is. Jesus died for us to provide a place where we can enjoy the majesty of God with a kind of fear and trembling and reverence and awe, but not a cowering fear. And I'll say that again, not a cowering fear. Because God is our God. He is our Father. He loves and cares for us. He is for us. He is a good God. He is the God of love. He has always wanted relationship with us. He walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden, but sin separated Adam from God. But God had a plan to bring us back to him so that we could approach him again. Jesus has washed away our sin. Hallelujah. So that we can again approach a God without fear of judgment for our sin. We worship a wonderful, holy, awesome, majestic, powerful God this morning and every day of our lives. He is our friend. He is our companion. But he's also almighty God. Almighty God. The rewards of following and fearing the Lord. The fear of the Lord helps us from sinning. Our knowledge of God 
and his righteousness will, will, will increase when we have an understanding of the awesomeness of God. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life, it says in Proverbs 9, 14, turning a person from the snares of death. God promises to watch over those who fear him, Psalm 33, 18 to 19. And listen to this one. As a father has compassion on his children, and he has compassion over us, because we are his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children. The, delight, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Unfailing love. He's not a God. He doesn't want, to be, doesn't want us trembling like this in fear. But he wants us to understand that he is almighty God, creator of the universe, our father, our friend. This is the God that we follow. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.